painful truth is, 21 years later, many don't remember. Many don't understand. In fact, a generation are now adults that weren't there. So it's incumbent upon us to remember. To remember what was lost. And to believe that though we were attacked that day from a physical enemy upon our nation, there is an attack going on inside our nation today. It's not outside, it's inside. It is a way of thinking, a way of believing that is more detrimental than even that day was. For the lives that will be lost will be even greater if that way of life continues. So today, I want us to pray. Pray in remembrance, but pray with a fortitude and a courage to be the people of God in this day, to see revival return to our land, to not return to 2001, but return to something we've never seen here in our land, a nation that has rebirthed in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts ache for those who lost lives that day for what happened in our land. For those of us that were there, we remember, and we remember the grief, the confusion, the pain. I pray for the families that still heal today. But more than that, I pray for a spiritual revival in our land, that where the enemy has come in like a flood, that you would lift up a standard against him. And we recognize today that that standard throughout history and today will only be your people, the church. So we accept that responsibility today. We stand in the courage of that. We choose to remember that there will always be attacks upon freedom. We choose to remember that Jesus said we would face persecution. And in the face of all of it, we stand bold. We stand courageous. We stand because of the cross. And we stand because of an empty tomb. And we ask for you to do what seems impossible and heal and revive our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glad you're here today. We're continuing our series, Pray Bold. And I want to just go ahead and make a bold statement up front that you might wrestle with a little bit, but that's okay. That's what we do here. God is still in the business of birthing big things in his people's lives. There is a belief and a, I'll say a theology and a belief and practice that's prevalent amongst American churches today that I'm just going right at the heart of today. I'm gonna attack it because I believe it's a deception and I wanna pull it down. And it is this, that the church exists to see people saved, period, and not make disciples and help them grow into the wonders of what all Jesus Christ has for them. There are many people who sit in churches today who are content because they had a salvation experience some years ago, but their faith has not amounted to anything since then. 
God is active, alive, powerful, moving, and intends to not just birth you again into the Holy Spirit to be born again, but continue to keep birthing miraculous things in your life and through your life. To not leave you like you were, even at your spiritual birth, but to move you forward into maturity in Jesus Christ. And so that things happen in you and through you that seem impossible. It's true. I, I just really, just really gripes me the ideology that keeps Christians sitting lame in church without the faith that God can and will do miraculous things, the impossible for those who will believe and seek him. Amen? This requires, however, that we become people who pray bold. He is not finished in his work. He is still conforming his people to the image of his son. He is still working through his church today. We will not be silent. We will not be shaken. We will stand even against the gates of hell because Jesus has promised we'll have victory even over them. Amen? So I am praying that we will pull down some agreements today and some arguments, especially regarding prayer as we have been doing. The lies that say, well, God's gonna do what God's gonna do. It doesn't matter if I pray. That's a lie. God has chosen. He can do whatever he wants. He can do it when he wants, but he has chosen to move on behalf of his people when they pray bold. And often not until they do. He can move whenever he wants, but he chooses, he limits himself to move on behalf of those who will pray bold. There are many who say, well, I can't pray that kind of bold faith prayer because I just don't feel deserving of that kind of grace in my life. Of course you don't. That's why it's called grace. You have been given it and therefore by faith you receive it and don't believe the lie that says, well, I just can never do that. No, that's a lie from the enemy that's telling you that. Don't agree with that. Many people believe they, well, things that are, you know, the miracles and things that are impossible, that just stuff doesn't happen today. Wrong, that's a lie from the enemy. When a person's heart is changed, one who was stubborn and they become softened in their heart, that's a miracle. When a marriage is reconciled between two people who could not see eye to eye, that's a miracle. When God takes someone who has been discouraged and depressed and overwhelmed with anxiety and he speaks peace over them and all of a sudden they can function and walk through life with the confidence that God gives them in faith, that is a miracle. Heart change is a miracle. It doesn't happen because you and I are great or because we've seen the most wonderful counselor. That kind of stuff happens as a miracle from God. Only by that. You can't raise a dead heart with psychology. You can only raise a dead heart through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Are we on the same page here today? You can't change a nation by its politics or government. You change a nation by the power of Jesus Christ. This is what happens when God's people pray. God moves in powerful ways. And what a day for us to believe and pray bowls. We're gonna pull down some strongholds today. There is a very powerful way that God has called us to pray as his people. And this way of praying is actually what I believe, as we're going to see in scripture, actually calls the miraculous into existence. And it is this kind of praying that in the midst of the impossible, you and I pray bold and specific. 
So our, our message today is called Pray Bold and Specific. Because here's what Jesus said. I'm sorry, this is what John said. Now this is the confidence that we have in Jesus. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, let me just pause this morning. I wanna make sure you, you see and hear this. I'm not saying you can ask whatever you want. You can ask whatever you want if you're asking in the will of Jesus. Are you with me? We're not God, he is God. He has a will and he's called us to pray so that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, amen? So when I pray and as I walk with him, I'm trying to learn his way so that when I pray, my pray matches his way. Amen, you see what I'm saying here? And if we ask then anything, 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 anything according to his will, he hears us, he hears us. And then John said this, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. This word petitions, that's not a bunch of people that are mad trying to write a letter against their boss or the government. That's not what this is. Petitions here is a word that means something very specific. We know if we ask according to his will and we're praying bold according to his promises and the power of the spirit, we know, we have confidence, we know, we are certain, we know that we have the specific thing that we ask of him. This is bold faith. You say, well, I did that once and it hadn't happened yet. You keep believing for it. You keep having faith for it. It will come in his time because he always hears and he answers according to his will and his promises. This word petitions is not just in 1 John. It's also in Philippians 4, 6 in a very different word but the same context. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication you're asking with thanksgiving let your requests, your specifics be made known to God. We're called to do that. We're called to let our specific request be made known to God. The things that you are walking through because you know there's a connection, right, with what's going on in your life and the promises of God. You know the connection, what's going on between your life and the promises of God? You. And God intends to show his power in the circumstances of, his, of your life through his power through you. I'm going to illustrate this on the board this morning because we've talked about this idea that God has some things in heaven that he wants us to have and the way we have those is by believing and asking in bold faith and prayer. In fact, there are certain things from heaven that only come to earth when we pray and ask for it, for example, salvation. Nobody is saved without praying to ask Jesus to save them. You don't just walk down the street and boom, saved. No, salvation is a process that comes from his grace and our faith and it comes through prayer. It is an act of his will and an act of our will and it comes because you've prayed. Also, 
open doors in our life. They come because someone prayed. They only happen that way. Ask and it will be answered. Knock and you will find the door opened for you. This is the way doors open out because we ask. Even peace in our life. It comes as a result of praying. These are promises that God has given. He gives answers when we ask. As we have seen already in this series, he also causes angels to be dispatched when we pray. We looked at the story in Daniel where God moved and sent angels because he prayed. God moves on behalf of his people. He, he causes heaven to move when we pray. This is how much he values us, but it's how much he has given in power to prayer. Even resolve that comes in our life. Anytime there's reconciliation, anytime there's an answer, anytime there's resolve, it's because somebody was praying. Someone was asking. Anytime there is healing, it is because someone has prayed. When we see the breaking of strongholds, it happened because someone prayed. God can do any of these things by his own power, in his own time, in his own way. But he has chosen to limit these for us, including wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. These things await us in heaven. These are ours, but they come to those who will boldly ask for them, who will ask in faith. And when that happens, when you and I choose to be the one who will say, God, here I am in my life and I am walking through struggle. I am walking through need and I will call on you. To those who will do that, to those who will pray and say, God, I seek you. I'm calling on you. I am asking you. I am pleading for you. I am believing you. I'm repenting of my own ways and seeking you. To those who will do this, God hears and answers their prayer. Amen? This is what God does. So I want us to look at a story today that's going to reveal all of this to us. And I want us to keep in mind this idea that the things in our life today, the things in your life today that you think, oh man, I know some areas I'd love to see God work, but they are just absolutely impossible. Guess what? That's the area God's looking at. Guess what? That's the spot where your faith has the power to be the most strong, the most developed, and the most met in Jesus Christ. Turn your Bibles today to 1 Samuel. We're going to see the story of a woman who was longing for God to do something in her life. And we're going to see by the circumstances that it just seemed utterly impossible. But she's going to have faith and she's going to ask and she's going to ask specific. Because when you ask specific, you are making a declaration. You are saying, God, I believe you were there. 
I believe you are good. I believe you are for me. I believe you are moving. I believe you are powerful. And I believe you against anything else in this life. Amen? 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. Aren't you glad we're past all that part? And he had two wives. Uh-oh. Hold up. This got weird all of a sudden. The names are weird enough. Now we've got a guy in the Bible who's got two wives and no one is saying anything about it. Look, just because you see this in the Bible here, that does not approve of it at all because God has made it so that there is a male species, a female species, and they are to marry and the two shall become one flesh. And anything else outside of that, anybody not wanting to accept the gender that God has given them, anyone else wanting to reinvent marriage in their own eyes is a perversion and against the plan of God. This right here is not according to God's ways and you're gonna see all the problems that come with it here in just a moment. The story is not here to give you permission to live this way, it's here to show you the prohibition of when you go against God's ways. It's gonna show you the problems that go with it. Verse two, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other was Penina. Man, all these names. Actually, I think in the in more Hebrew way, it would actually be pronounced Panina. So let's use Panina this morning. Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. So you can probably start seeing some of the problems here. Here's one man, two wives. She has one has children, the other does not. Verse three. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah, the husband, to make an offering, he would give portions to Panina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Mm, problematic already. Hannah is part of a, an awkward situation. We don't know how she got into this situation. We don't know exactly what put her there. We just know that she's in a family, two wives, one man, one has children, she does not. And this one, as we're about to see more about, this one that has the children, she's gonna use this opportunity as a point of trying to get at Hannah. She's gonna mock her for her difficulty that she's in in this moment, her pain that she's walking through. Because you just have to know in a marriage where there's one husband and two women, there's gotta be some conflict, hello? There's gotta be some problems there. This story tells us that. And so, you look at this and you think, man, I don't know what was going on in her situation. 
But I do know this, everybody has a past. Everybody's got some things that they've done that they wish they hadn't. Everybody's found themselves in some situations that they really need to get out of. Everybody has come and done some things that are against God's ways. But this will not disqualify her from being heard by God, transformed by God. Amen? Her past is going to be part of this story. We don't know what got her into this painful situation, but she was in it. Now, as we go on and read here in verse 5, it says, But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now, men, we have no way of grasping the weight of what this means in this moment. But it's painful when the thing you long for most, for some reason, has not come to pass. And in this case, Hannah wants to have a child. But the Lord has closed her womb. By this time, she should have had children. She's not been able to. Panina has used this against her, has mocked her. And the situation is painful. The situation is difficult. The situation has a lot of impossibility to it. Because it says the Lord had closed her womb. That sounds rather definite. It sounds permanent. And she's in this very difficult situation. These two alone would be enough to make people say, I don't know that I can pray bold and specific because you don't know my past and you don't know my present. And right now, my past and my present tell me that the thing I would long for is an impossibility. The things I read in God's word would seem to be an impossibility. So this woman is in a very painful situation. She's in a seemingly impossible situation. Her husband, quote, loves her. And when they go to worship the Lord, he gives her a double portion to go sacrifice with. Verse six and her rival, mm, the person in the home with her, the person that she's the counterpart to, the other woman, her rival, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Here is someone that she sees every day, day in, day out, and this woman seems to take her delight in mocking her, in mocking her pain, in pointing it out, in showing what she had and boasting in it over what she didn't have. And the weight of that, the hurt of that, of just every day being assaulted with this reminder and this attack and this accusation and these insults and the belittling have got to be just grueling. She has past, she has impossibility, 
and she has great hurt. And it's got to be all so confusing when it's every year and they're going back to the temple and they're going back to make their sacrifice or the tabernacle at this point. They're going in there and they're offering their sacrifice and being in God's presence is just another reminder that this other woman uses to attack her. It's terrible when the faith you hold to is being attacked by other people, amen? People who don't understand, people who are ruthless, people who attack you for your weaknesses, attack you for what you don't have and boast in what they do have. And this woman is in the midst of all of that. She's got impasse, she's got impossibility, she's got hurt. But the way this describes it here in verse seven, it says, so it was year by year. We're not talking about just one time, two time, three time, a few time. Year after year, this went on. And when she went up to the house of the Lord, there in verse seven, it says that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Time is passing. The years are going by and it is brutal. Seemingly just driving more nails that this is not gonna work. God is not gonna move. God does not hear your prayers. He is not gonna answer. Verse eight, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Men, please take note of how foolish this next moment is. Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Hello? This man is a way of guilting her, shaming her. Why aren't you happy, dear? Aren't I enough for you? How arrogant. How uncaring. How insensitive. Aren't I enough for you? Shouldn't you be happy because of me? I should be enough for you. I mean, look at all that I am after all. How humiliating. How shaming. How guilting this is. How dare you feel this way? I should be enough for you. So she's having to deal with the shame. She's having to deal with guilt that's being tossed her way. You shouldn't be this way. You should be happy with what I am, especially. Let's go on to verse nine. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Maybe this will be some comfort to her. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. The words here are so rich and powerful and deep. She is in bitterness of soul. She is aching inside. She's hurting. Scripture can't be more plain about the emotional wrenching that's going on inside her soul here. She's in bitterness of soul and she's praying to the Lord and she's weeping and she's in anguish. She's hurting. She doesn't know what else to say. She doesn't know what else to do. She just moved and broken and in anguish of soul. She is completely empty on the inside crying out to the Lord, desperate, not knowing what else to say, what else to do. Verse 11. Then 
she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your servant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Hannah in this moment was praying boldly and praying very specifically. Lord, if you will look upon me, your maidservant. She was, she was basing her prayer on promises here. God, you've promised that you keep your eye on your people. You've promised to bless your people if we'll seek you. And Lord, I'm here to do that. I am your maidservant. And Lord, if you would give me a child, in fact, specifically, if you will give me a male child, now that's some bold, faithful, specific praying. It's tough sometimes to pray specifically because in that moment you think, I don't know, because what if I ask for the wrong thing? What if I say the wrong thing? When you ask in promises, don't be afraid of asking boldly and specifically. Specifically, Don't be afraid of asking for the wrong thing. If you're asking for the wrong thing, the Lord will show you that. Jesus was in the garden, and when he prayed, guess what? He was praying for what turned out to be the wrong thing. He said, Lord, take this cup from me. And the Lord responded. And Jesus ultimately came to the place where he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Don't let the enemy trick you and to make you not praying because you're afraid of what you might ask. Are you with me? Jesus did not fear and therefore shirk away from praying. And neither did Hannah. She said, Lord, I am believing you. I'm trusting you. And I'm asking boldly and I'm asking specifically. Give me a child and give me a boy. And when you do, I will commit this boy to you he will be a Nazarite is what the passage refer, is referring to here. In other words, he will serve you specifically all the days of his life. This is a very specific prayer. In today's modern language, Lord, please give me a son and call him into the ministry. Raise him up to make him faithful and powerful in your ways so that he might walk in your ways and lead others to faith in you. She prays bold and she prays specific and she prays in light of impossibility. The passage goes on here in verse 12 and it says, as it happened, she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, this is the priest, watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So she's pouring her heart out. She's crying. She, her mouth is moving, but no sound is coming out. It says, therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Now, if you knew the story of Eli, the priest, you would know why he would say this. It seemed to be an issue that ran in his family. And so he looks at her, and instead of having a heart of compassion, he says, hey, woman, are you drunk? Man, how would you like your, your pastor to say that to you when you come to pray, right? 
He said, how long would you, thank you. How long have you, will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you, verse 15. But Hannah said, no, Lord, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink and have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel, grant your petition, which you have asked him. And she just said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate. And her face was no longer sad. Even in the face of being misunderstood, she boldly prayed. Man, this is a lot. But this is where people like you and I live in the face of our past and impossibility and hurt and time has passed and there's been no answer and there's shame and there's guilt from other people and there's this emptiness inside and there's misunderstanding. People don't understand what we're asking for. People don't understand what our life's all about. People don't believe when we talk about what we believe. People don't understand when we ask specifically and they think we're crazy. They call us out of our mind. They say, what drugs are you on? This is how the world responds to us when we talk about our faith today, amen? And so, In all of this, Hannah has great faith. And it says, verse 19, they arose early in the morning and they worshiped the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. His name literally meant God heard and answered my prayer. She believed. She prayed. She prayed specifically. And God heard her prayer. Flip over to verse 24. And let's finish the story here. Because it says, Now when she had weaned him, this boy Samuel, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. This was the custom that was required for a firstborn son. And she said, oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. And look what she says. For this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I have asked of him. Here is a woman who prayed a bold prayer. Here is a woman who prayed a very specific prayer. It was out of impossibility. She didn't let her circumstances or her setting or her past or anything else stop her from praying in bold faith. She didn't just say, well, I guess it's just going the way it's going to be. I mean, God's going to do what God's going to do. I guess, you know, I really don't deserve anything better than this. What I get for getting myself into this situation, I guess there's just no way that God's going to work. I mean, you know, everything's all messed up. No one around me believes me. All my situation's bad. All the people around me are mean to me. That is a spirit of defeat, amen? That is a spirit that is not faith. And we're calling that spirit out today because again, I believe in our midst today, there are things that God wants to do in your life and through your life. He wants to do some things that you think today are impossible. And he's looking for his people today. He's looking for the church today to have enough faith to say, God, I'm gonna trust you because of your promises and not my problems. 
I'm gonna believe you for what you said you will do and not what I see could do. I'm gonna believe you and trust you for the impossible, amen? This is what she did. She prayed specifically, God, would you do the impossible? And God heard her prayer. God moved on her behalf. And as he does in her life and so many others who will believe him and trust, he does something through them. He births something out of them. He births new life into you. He changes you. He calls you to believe. He calls you to dream. He calls you to have visions. He calls you to keep moving forward, to believe promises, for something miraculous to happen, for the impossible to become possible, for the miracle to happen. Amen? So I'd ask you today, what kind of faith do you have? Do you have faith that's keeping you silent, isolated, withdrawn, defeated, blah, stationary in life, haven't changed, no hope for the future, no purpose, no fulfillment, no sense of God moving, doing the mighty, doing the marvelous, doing the miraculous? Or do you have faith that says, God, I am believing some things. I'm believing your truth. And I'm believing it up into the ground of my own impossibilities, my own shame, my own past, my own imperfections, my own sense of where people misunderstand me. I'm believing you here in the midst of it. I'm gonna believe your word more than I believe anybody else and I'm gonna trust you for it and I'm gonna hold tightly to you. I don't care how long it takes. If it takes weeks, months, years, I'm gonna keep believing you. I'm gonna trust you. This is what God's calling his church to today. And I get real excited thinking about us even, just our small church here in Ovilla, and us as members all having some things on a page that says, God, here's what I'm believing you for. Here's a specific thing, a very specific thing for my marriage, for my children, for my life, for my wife, for my husband, for my future, for your church, for our nation, for my business, for my ministry. I'm believing you for all these things, God, because God loves to hear those who will ask in that kind of bold faith. So the question today is, what are you believing God for? What is that thing for you? What he puts on your heart, find the promise in his word. Put it down on paper and pray bold and pray specific. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for stories like this that remind us you are a powerful God. You are a mighty God. You have purpose. You have a plan. And you intend to continue to do the miraculous in us and through us. Transforming us. Changing us. Making us into the very image of your son. And then working through us to do even greater things. To see captives set free, 
to see our families changed, to see our culture changed, and to do that through us. God, that's what you've called us to. So we humble ourselves today. We repent of believing that our time is done. The task is too great. It's too impossible. And instead, we choose to believe for it today, Father. We choose to believe in the name of Jesus. And we choose to believe with great faith. And God, we will wait now. Believing, praying, continue asking for you to move, to do what you've promised. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we finish with another baptism. Yeah, I'm excited. Let me invite uh, Irie Plant and her parents up today. Yeah, come on up. So, yeah, this is Irie. Come on over here. This is Riley and, and Moretta and kids are coming too. Y'all come on up. Micah, come on up as well because Micah's got a part in this story. So, Recently, we talked, and Irie was telling us, in fact, Micah was telling us, actually, that uh, Irie came to Micah in children's church one day and asked about being baptized. And it was on the same morning that her dad said he was down here in a service praying for her to come to know Jesus. At the same time, he didn't know she was going to be up there asking that day. But she was, and so it, God put it all together, and here we are today to make this decision public because she's asked Jesus into her heart. They've prayed for this child, and you've prayed for this day. Isn't that awesome, church? Isn't that awesome what God has done? Yeah, another story of specific prayer answered. So, you ready for this? All right, let's come on back. Come on back here. All right, we're going to make our way back here. Miss Micah's going to be ready with a towel. You can go ahead and do that. Awesome. Awesome. Micah and I do what we always do when there's a child who says they want to be baptized. We meet with her, him, in, our, in the office and with the family. And one of the things that we ask the family is, let's come on in, is do you see evidence of change? in the child's life. And they said, oh, definitely. And that's what we want to hear. A child who's truly been changed, not just to say the words, I believe in Jesus and I want to be baptized, but to know it's already making a difference in their life. So Ari, I'm excited for your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm excited for today. Do you see all family back here? Take a look at all of them. Yeah, I want you to remember this moment. And church, we celebrate with her, amen? She's an answer to prayer. This is a miracle right here. When a child or anyone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, this is a miracle. This is the impossible come to reality. And for that, we're grateful. So Irie, I baptize you as my sister in Christ. You are buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs> 